to me, it, it, it's just building confidence. You know, I, I know when I was little, I know I had a lot of positive people around me to build confidence. And then second is, you know, that process, but also it's the pressure with the Marcus Mariotas, the two Otongo by laws, the Matt Tales, you know, the guys who made it. Those kids look up to those guys. And when they want to be like them, you know, it's just super positive. It's great. They lose their own identity, you know, in a sense. So, you know, I, I think the gap that's missing in that whole process was you're not, you're not going to be the superstar now. Everybody wants to now. You know, the parents want them to be the star now. The coaches expect them to be the star now. So all that pressure that goes on in young kids' brain, it's like they don't make any sport fun anymore. It's more of a business. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement Podcast. Thank you for joining me for another week. For any new listeners, check out all of the previous episodes. I'm sure you'll find some entertaining and great episodes, guest interviews, solo episodes as well to really help you to elevate your performance and find some valuable information that really helps you along your fitness journey. All of the returning listeners, thank you very much for joining me for another week. Also, I want to sh- also I want to share that there's a lot of things that I've been working on. So check out my social media channels, my Instagram, my YouTube channel. I'm starting to put more videos and content on my YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe and just follow along. I'm going to take you along my journey to really help hopefully you along your fitness journey. And of course, if you like what you hear, you like some of these episodes, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the podcast. Give a five-star rating and a helpful review to help others know what this podcast is about and also help with the growth of the podcast. This week, I had a great time talking with him, recording this episode for everyone. And I would like to welcome Samson Angwai to the podcast. He is a former football athlete at the University of Hawaii, and he has some great stories, experiences, and adversity that he had to overcome through his college career. A lot of his experiences, he's now using it to coach and help the younger kids and the upcoming generation to enjoy sports, get the most out of these experiences, and in turn, just become a good person on and off the field. This is definitely one of those great episodes that you want to listen in on. And as with all of my guests, everyone has a very unique and interesting story that we can learn so much from their experiences and their wisdom that they're sharing. Without saying anything more, let's jump straight into the episode. Be sure to listen in all the way to the end and hear all of the great things that Samson's working on and how he's coaching and helping these younger athletes. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the H&L Movement Podcast. We have an exciting guest today with lots of stories, been through a lot, and now he's coaching. And I just want to welcome Samson Angwai to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today, Samson. Oh, man, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having me on the podcast, man. Yeah, we haven't seen or talked to each other for a long time. And, and I was just a student when you started your career at UH. But to see you go through some of the adversities and overcoming injuries and still 
you know, driven to perform and play football at a high level. I mean, that was something to witness and not too many people can do what you did. But before we get into all of that and what you're doing now, let's just start off with your story. So why don't you share with us a little bit about growing up, what kinds of sports did you like to play? What was your childhood like? Um, yeah, so uh, I'm born and raised in Hawaii. Majority of my life was playing sports, obviously. Um, when I was a younger kid, you know, uh, my, my family is very football-oriented. So I already knew what my path was going to be to play football. You know, I started off playing at um, Ever Saints uh, when I was about, I believe, seven or eight years old. And, you know, it was just something I knew that, you know, I was born into. More so that, you know, that it's what, it's what my dad played, it's what my uncle played, it's what my sister played, you know, through the whole years of their lives. And then my cousins played as well. So, you know, it kind of took the the way that it made, you know, you're, you're born into it, you're going to play. But I, I, I love the game of football. I also enjoyed uh, playing basketball, even though I really wasn't that good. It was just a different outlet for me. You know, I played actually my first sport was actually golf. You know, my dad got me in the golfing and then we had to make a decision when the shoulder pads, you know, was like 300 something dollars and the golf clubs are about 300 something dollars. So it was kind of a good transition to go. Then I played at Campbell High School. Um, I was very fortunate, you know, to be pulled up to the varsity level when I was a sophomore. Um, was very blessed to play, um, you know, and make All-State in three different positions. You know, I really had that mindset and that goal that I wanted to go to Division One. From Campbell, I went to the University of Hawaii. I can say with, with the honest truth, I had, a, I had a pretty decent career at University of Hawaii. Uh, it taught me a lot, especially battling all the injuries that I had, you know, all, all, all of what I had to do with the coaching changes and position changes. But, you know, when you – I always was taught at a young age, if you love football, you're going to keep going. Yeah. It was crazy, man. It was crazy. Yeah. So growing up, when you started to play football, oh, that's interesting that even your sister played football. <laughs> did you, yeah, did you guys did. play uh, – Ever on the same team or same level? Oh uh, no! So my uh, it's my middle sister. My sister Doreen played football. She played for Highlands Highland Colts, but she also was ranked in like I believe in the country or the nation for um, like Taekwondo and Karate. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that was my one sister I didn't pick on. Like you know, it was one of those things. And then you know, she used to put pads on too. And then you know, you know, it, it would have been real cool to play with my sister. That'd have been pretty cool. But you know, she just kind of set the foundation. It just showed, like, her determination just to play, especially, like, you know, you know, as far as, you know, being a female, everybody's like, ah, just a girl. But from what I heard the story, man, my sister could play, she could hit, she could, mm-hmm. she knew the game of football. You know, my um, my dad and my uncle's coached her just like how they did me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's always well prepared. So, yeah, it was, it's pretty crazy. Like, there's just pictures and all kind of stuff where I'm putting it next to my football pictures and my friends come over and they're like, Yeah, Yeah. that's really cool. So growing up playing football at a young age, explain that a little bit. How did that transform? And obviously you did well and you had aspirations to play at the next level growing up. But what positions did you play? Um, Because, you know, even in the upper levels, you were playing different positions as well. So growing up, Pop Warner time, what were your positions? What was your favorite Um, position too? Oh, okay. That, that, that. We'll get straight to the point. A lot of people don't really know this story. Um, my first year, I, um, I played tight end, and they had me at free safety. And um, I, I, I pretty much, you know, when, you, when you're growing up at a younger age, you, know, you just start, you're pretty much what you used to call an NPR player, where, you know, it was, you know, you just you get your plays, you go, and then you just kind of learn the game as well. And then the year after that was the year that where it kind of clicked for me. Honestly, at a young age, you know, I was getting tired of getting beat up. 
like every other kid would be, you know, getting getting hits and not playing as much. So what I would do, like just I would just play football in the streets with my neighbors. They were all older than me. And then, you know, my first year, my dad didn't coach me. And then when they told me my first year I was playing free safety, I didn't kind of realize why, but my dad was more of a defensive player and he played free safety. So, you know, it got to that point where I was like, yeah, I want to play offense, play defense. And I really couldn't catch as well. I couldn't really catch. I didn't have you know, the, the coordination. You know, learning from the older guys in the streets and playing and going through all of that wonderful stuff kind of gave me like an, like an attitude, kind of where it was positive for me. Like, you know, if I can compete with these guys, I can really do something with this. So my next year, I played receiver. I played receiver and I played safety again. And then my throughout the year, they kind of just transitioned back and forth from safety to running back. And then quarterback here and there, even though they only wanted me to run the ball, but, you know, you just got to do what you got to do for the team at that point. And then basically it just came down to when I was eighth grade, I had to make that one transition of, okay, what are you really going to play now? And then running back and slot back to state the whole way. It just stuck. So it was pretty cool. The transition was tough because of the weight and how you have to, you know, learn the game. The speed changes when you get older, the bigger kids. So, yeah, I just learned the game. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, so then when you got to Campbell High School, you said that you were on the Vars for three years, right? Since your sophomore year? My sophomore year, yeah. Yeah, so explain, walk us through that a little bit. How was the transition? How did you take it upon yourself to really improve and start to excel at a high level and kind of strive towards playing Division One at that point? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, my ninth grade year, it was, uh, it was good at that time. I was just playing running back. We ran the wing tee, so... I mean, fortunately, and you know, fortunately enough, I got the ball like in the 85 percent of the time. But um, it, it was a conversation actually between me and my dad that made that transition. You know, there were there were I believe we played we played Lelihua, and after that game, we were done, and the varsity still had some time in the playoffs. And one of the coaches came up to my dad and my mom, and they're talking about, hey, you know, next season we're gonna pull him up, and. We came home and my mom and dad talked to whatever you want to do. But my dad kind of, my dad really broke it down for me. Said, you know, even if you don't get to play at that level, at the varsity level, you're going to get used to the speed. You're going to push yourself to get bigger. And it just kind of played out itself, you know, how it was. You know, my, my dad and my mom bought me a weight set. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember those 50 gram slam protein shakes, man. Things were nasty. I had to hold my nose and drink those like every minute of the day. Because I was only 110 pounds playing varsity. I was real. I know I wasn't as tall. I wasn't 5'7". Now it's probably shorter than this. But I knew I had speed. So we had to take advantage of that. Um, I used to work with Coach Trozier and Coach Miano, them at um, Hawaii Speed Agility and Quickness back in the day. And they even made me go with the high school kids. So it was a good transition. And it, it worked out in his favor. I mean, at that time, we had Lowentine Annis, you know, who's the MMA fighter now, one of my good friends. Like his brother, all my real good friends, and he transferred to Kailua his uh, his senior year. So when he left, we had two other guys in front of me, and they were like, you know, I'm going. We're going to start you this game, and I was like, oh, okay. And I just took took it and ran with it. No, literally ran with it, scared. Now I'm little. I got speed. I'm going to hit the outside. I'm going to hit the middle. I'm not going to get hit at all. Which I'm my best, you know. And then that's when I had my first college recruiter come up to me. There was a coach from Idaho State, and he just laid back. You, you have a future if you work on this, this, and this. And at that time, my grades were okay. And then I started attending all these combines like the PIAA, the NEIA, 
and they kept, we built a family with them and they kept preaching, you know, grace. Mm-hmm. So that's when I kind of got my academic straight, took the weight training and the speed agility more serious. And then, you know, started watching college football more. And I was like, I, I can play that. And I think it was my sophomore year where Ron, or Ron Lee actually talked to me at a camp when we used to go to Vinny. Hmm. He was like, man, you know, you look good, man. We want to see your senior year. I was like, sure, why not? You know, um, I like to play at home. I would love to play at home. So I just think the mentality had to change. I really didn't have a, I don't want to say a childhood, but there, there was a lot of sacrifices that was made. Mm-hmm. You know, like my mom and dad let me go to the movies with my friends and go hang out and sleep over. But the priority was school and football. And, you know, just taking that in stride to my junior year where, you know, I came back at like 155 pounds. I felt faster. I felt stronger. My grades were higher. You know, it just the confidence in me was just, you know, and we had a good team that year. And, you know, just being surrounded by people with the same mentality was just the perfect blessing in the world. And then, you know, ending of ending of my junior season, you know, going into my senior year is that when I got offered by UH. And I was just, yep, I'm, I'm committed. I'm ready to go. Like, there was no hesitation. And I was Coach Mack, you know, he's a really good guy, great guy. Thank you for everything. And Rolo was the OC. And, you know, Craig, Craig Sussman was there helping out. And it, it, was, it was perfect. It was a perfect fit for me and my family. And then that mentality just carried over to college. Yeah. Then you know, then you're back again. You're like, you know, the freshman kid that's not on varsity that has to play. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty crazy. That I mean, you said so many great things that. Yeah. Let's elaborate on that a little bit more. So I think I can relate to you. Not playing upper level sports, but I can relate to you because growing up, I was always the smallest kid. You know, it was. It wasn't until I actually found the weight room and had people actually show me what strength and conditioning was until you actually yeah. like build some muscle and strength. So talk about that a little bit because you said, you know, you sophomore season you're 110 pounds, right? And then yeah. you put on like maybe 35 pounds of 45 pounds of muscle, maybe for yeah. between sophomore and uh, junior year. So explain that process. What what did you learn from it? What was it like going through that experience? There's always the pros and cons, right? You know, you know, I, I'm seeing my friends who are seniors putting up like three plates, you know, lifting real heavy, and I wanted to get to that point. But then it was also just, you know, like, hey, it always comes back, man. It's, it's, it's my, my dad showed me the basics. Mm-hmm. Bench, squat, deadlift, arms, you know, just, just do the basics. And it was more of so just he coached me in it, but he let me figure it out in a way. Like I would, I would, I would sit there like in this little side of our house, and it's pretty much like my dad built it from the ground up, like roof, turf, weights, and it was pretty much these are the basic forms and techniques. Push yourself, and I remember it vividly. Like 185 was the goal. Every combine we went to, we were younger. You got to hit 185 as much as you can. And my first, my freshman year, I struggled with the bar, so it was this. Learning the little things like nowadays, kids have Google, they have YouTube, they have you know, they have personal trainers. You know, we have to go old school, we have to go, you know, if you're benching in between, you're doing push ups, mm-hmm. if you're squatting in between, you're doing calf raises on you know, like a two by four <laughs> with some weight in your hand. You know, it's real, it was real like Rocky Balboa old school kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the struggle wasn't putting on the weight, the struggle was keeping it off because I knew I was fast. And when I go for my runs, I just felt like the muscle was just coming off. Mm. It was just burning off. I just, you know, you have that, you know, everybody likes to say that small feeling. Then you just kind of come back to normal. But then it came down to eating, you know. 
I could eat like McDonald's every day and not gain a pound. But then when I started to eat a little bit more healthier and more protein shakes, I could kind of feel a little bit more heavier. So just that counterbalance, you know, of what we had to do. It's kind of weird to say back in the day, but it's kind of like, you know, how it was when I, in my era, how to do it, you know, mm-hmm. rusted weights, brand new weights, whatever you had to do, you had to do it to get better. Because, you know, back in high school, we, we weren't allowed to go in our weight room in such a period of time because we were in a dead period. So we had to figure something out. And, you know, supplementation, man, we used to go to GNC all the time. And that's when I got introduced to pre-workouts and, like, multivitamins and proteins and, you know, creatines and all kind of stuff. And just trying to manage that with school and the off-season, you know, it was it was tough, but, you know, it, it helped it work. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was it was really a grind, like what people said. Yeah, it is definitely a grind to build muscle, you know, still maintain your speed, your quickness, all of that. And it takes a lot of hard yeah. work. It's just consistency. And I like how you said that you were, your dad really instilled in you the basics. Because unless you have the basics, it's going to be really, really hard for you to gain any strength. But I'm glad that he oh, yeah. kept telling you that. And then, you know, you just kept it with the basics and you could see the results. What made you continue to do this year after year throughout high school? And what what motivated you at this point? I think the motivation was the, to me personally, I, I think it was to prove a lot of people wrong, you know, um, in, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays, you, you, you know, the, the athletes nowadays, they try to do it on social media and everything. It was just, I wanted my hard work to prove itself. The motivation was to be the first one to be in my family to go D1 and get a scholarship and play football. And that was the motivation day in and day out, you know. And I also the other motivation too as well it was just proving myself wrong. You know, my sophomore year, I I I I broke I guess I broke the high school record for rushing. I did all that wonderful stuff, and then I'm gonna break it. If I didn't break it, okay, I got my senior. I'm gonna break it. I'm, I'm gonna keep this streak going as long as I can. And I think it was until 2000. No, it was 2017 or 2018. Kiki Kupuka Atkins broke it, and he's like my nephew. So it was kind of cool to see that, you know, I held that rushing record for 10 years in one game. So it was just the motivation from there. Um, and I guess just improving, like, in the game of football. Like, the game of football is always evolving. Like, if I knew what I knew about now about stretching and joints and mobility, I could have been somewhere else. But I'm very blessed and fortunate to be where I am now. But, you know, it's just – I love the process. The process is what kept me going. It was like, you know, it's the same regimen every year. Okay, season's over with. Now you just got to just bulk up as much as you can and cut weight, get slim, try to keep your muscle on, keep the speed, and just look, you know, just keep playing. Yeah. So the whole process is probably the main drive. And that's where you learn the most. And you got to love the process. So it's going to be a grind even oh, harder than yeah, it already yeah. is. Yeah. So now strength and conditioning, obviously that was a big part that helped your success. Talk about yeah. the... Speed and quickness now, because you were getting speed work in, you know, you were going to these clinics, these practices, and what did that do for you, I guess? Because you're already naturally quick, right? But how did that even further elevate your game of football? I just think of the competition level. Yeah, like just being at the the competition level of, I'm the 10th grader, he's a senior, I want to be faster than him. I want to be quicker than him. I want my, my footwork to be twice as better as his. And it wasn't personal, you know, but it's also just when I got to the 11th grade level and you see the ninth graders coming up and they have some good footwork, it's like, no, they're catching up to me, mm-hmm. you know. 
the the footwork just helped me with my reaction time. And I think more on my mental focus. The one little mishap on a ladder, it just looks slow. One little misstep on your 40, you know, you, you, you get docked a couple seconds. And it just comes to that point where it's, again, the process. Because strength and conditioning and speed work is the two different things. They go hand in hand, of course. Mm-hmm. But just the, I think that the form and technique for speed work is what intrigues me. It's like the bend, the bend of the foot, the just the way that your arms have to move, the certain angle of cut. You know, this is all that different things that kind of kept me going, and that was my strongest attribute with speed. Mm-hmm. So any way or shape or form or advice or someone from the outside tell me if you just try this and it works or it doesn't work, at least I try it. So, you know, just having all the knowledgeable guys, even the guys in college where, you know, they would help me out. Hey, man, just maybe slow it down and try it. If you get the timing, then rip it. And it works. And you're just like, it carries on all the way until now when you're not doing speed work anymore. You know what I mean? It just yeah. carries on for life. But it's just all mental up here. Yeah, you know? definitely. Different type of muscles and learning all kinds of stuff, man. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely. That helped you a lot. And the other thing that you mentioned too, that I'm glad you said was that you started to get good advice telling people telling you that, Hey, you got to take care of the score. You got to have the grades if you want to play in college. Right. So what did that do for you? How did, how did your goal of playing division one football really help you to excel in the classroom too, and make sure that you had all of the academics to actually play at the next level? Yeah, I, I, I think it was more of the challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't like to say it, but, you know, some, some of us, you know, including myself, you know, I'm not a good test taker. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't excel as much as in the classroom. You know, I, I sometimes I don't even take it as serious. But when I found that I got qualified for Division One, I, I had to take that athlete mentality to the class. Like, if I'm going to take a bunch of notes watching film, I'm going to take a bunch of notes in class so I don't screw this up. Or even in high school, you know, it's, you know, at, at ages, people are ashamed to say they have to stay back for tutoring or they have to stay back and meet with their teachers. I mean, I was ashamed too, but I knew I had to do it because I showed my teachers that I cared. And also, I think it was, you know, a little bit of it was the hype. I, I, was, I was afraid to be embarrassed that, like, you know, I got a D1 offer and then I'm not going D1 because <laughs> I don't qualify. So the pressure and how it felt and what we're doing and how we're doing it, just have to just, again, you just have to trust the process and grind through the process. Yeah. It was, but, you know, I'm very fortunate because, you know, I, I got a four-year degree out of it. I graduated, you know, high school. Very fortunate for that, too. And now, you know, having my newborn and my wife, you know, it's just kind of setting me up to be like, okay, the same message that I was given has to be instilled into him. Right. And then those trials and tribulations that he has to go through. So, you know, math has changed for anybody listening for like years because I just learned algebra and then my nieces and nephews are learning like algebra five or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like behind. So (laughs) here we go. I got to go back to school now. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it too. I like how you took all of the strengths that you had in the approach to prepare for athletics and you just transferred that into the classroom because exactly it's, the process yeah. is similar, right? If you're taking all these notes and you're paying attention and you're figuring out how to get better at something, you can definitely use that in the classroom to get better at schoolwork too. I'm glad that yeah. everything worked yeah. out good. And let's talk about, oh, yeah. so as you progress through high school at Campbell, right? How was your size progressing too with the strengthening and senior year? Were you about the same size in college? 
Were you still? Um, I was about the same size. Came into my um, came into my freshman year, and then um, freshman year, I think I picked up maybe like ten pounds, ten pounds of muscle. You know, that whole that whole summer off season because I gray shirted. So when I gray shirted, it was I trained with the team. I trained with Tommy them, and it came that fall. I sat out, and then I came in the next year, just kind of like ahead of the guys that came in too. And then, you know, as much as everybody said, man, you kept getting hurt. But when I hurt my knee, you know, it kind of really was a blessing because I learned how to take care of my body more. Lifting, recovery, you know, ice bath, you know, you know stamina ice, you know, doing all of that rehab stuff to make my legs stronger. My, you know, my upper body was stronger than ever. And my, and my, and my mental focus was better, you know, I mean, I hit that wall where, you know, it's not really talked about, man, but they, they call it athletic depression because I was just depressed at one point. Mm-hmm. Like, why me? Well, you know, everybody says, why me? Why did I get hurt? Why now? You know, I just got named, you know, starting punt returner, and I get hurt, and I can't play, and, you know, and then I just have to mentally just, again, it comes back to this thing here. It's just trust the process. Mm-hmm. Take your rehab just as serious. Still go to school. Mm-hmm. Be positive. Encourage your teammates when you're, not, when you're on the field. And then, you know, I mean, I, I, I came into college at 155, and then I graduated at 210. And it was, everybody was like, man, you know, the same, man, dude, what are you taking? What are you just like, no, man, just through the years of being at UH, mm-hmm. I just learned about supplementation, I learned about meals, I learned about recovery, I learned about strength and movement, I learned about just the little things, you know, and I just was, I was 210 pounds, and I graduated, and I was like, cool, like, it's all good, but you know, playing two different positions, you know, it's kind of takes a toll on your body. Because mm-hmm. I played receiver, I have to go back down to 175. So I changed the regimen. Mm-hmm. And Norm Child would be like, hey, man, I need your running back this week. You got to get some size on you. I have to bulk up and keep the speed, but bulk it up in a matter of like a week and a half. So I just fluctuated. But when I graduated, I was like 210. So yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see the transformation. Definitely. Of like being a strong little kid. To like what what I was, and I was just like, oh man, this is awesome. You know, I, I want to keep that going, even after college and uh, after sports and stuff like that. Even though it's harder, trust me, it's real hard. <laughs> yeah. But you got to do it. Yeah, no, definitely. So before we get on to the injuries and your career at UH at Campbell, what positions did you primarily play throughout your varsity years? Um, my sophomore year I was strictly a running back. Um, and then when almost, almost came, I moved to the slot and then I bounced back and forth from running back to slot. Um, sometimes I, they, they put me a quarterback for like a wildcat and you know, stuff like that. So, um, but my main priority was a slot receiver. Like, I, even though I, I know I'm personally, I'm a natural running back. It was just a challenge for me because I had to learn how to get open in a short amount of time. instead of just taking a hand off and doing my thing, mm-hmm. you know? So then, when that translated with the UH, you know, it was a it was a different transition, but it, it was a it was it, it was a fun it, it was a fun time to learn new things throughout, and it helped well, hand in hand. You know what I mean? Definitely. So now you you know you got the Division One offer, you ended up going to UH, and now you're playing yeah. at a much faster speed of the game, right? The next level and everything like that. You're putting a lot of time in the weight room. Now, talk us through. You kind of mentioned it, but every athlete that goes through an injury there's a huge mental side to it. And, you know, it's, you learn tons, not only physically about your body, but you learn tons about yourself. And this definitely, I I think it makes every athlete stronger when they can come back from these injuries. So explain a little bit how the injury happened and what, 
was the process for you to go through mentally, physically to actually get back to football? Oh yeah. It was a uh, 2011 in the summer. Um, when I came in, it was off season training, running seven on sevens. And then and I ran a slant route and I just kind of tweaked my knee a little bit. I didn't know what it was. And then the boys kind of came around me and looking at it, check it out. So I went to the training room. Wong was like, hey, man, we're going to check out. doesn't look too serious. I mean, it's a little swelling. Anyway, I tore my ACL. And I was like, man, what, what, what the heck's an ACL? Mm-hmm. I don't know what ACL is. So then I had to get the surgery and everything. And then from there, the depression part kicked in. Mm-hmm. So I come to practice, do my rehab, and you see everybody running around in cleats. And I love football. Mm-hmm. I love what I do. And I couldn't do it. So then I got, you know, cleared and then everything was good. And then coming the following spring, mm-hmm. it, I tore my right one the first one. Came to my left knee. It was a punt return in the spring. I went to fair catch. I caught it. And one of the guys was still running down. So I had to avoid him. And, you know, Coach Demo is just popping off the hinges. Like, he fair catch. What are you doing? And then I just felt my, my knee tweak a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay. It kind of feels familiar, but not as serious. And, you know, doctors come in, they feel me, man, he's strong. Can we do the MRI? And there's like a little nick on my ACL. And at that point, I just went, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. You know, here we go again. I know what I got to go through, but they were like, no, let's let it try and heal on its own. So let it heal on its own, and let's uh, let's see where you're at. So I, I, I rested it. I just did therapy, keep it strong. I was going with um, Uncle Pat them at Hawaii Sports Med. Doing double therapy, just with Wongi them and just trying to just make sure, you know, my legs are strong. And then somebody just told me, like, mentally, like, hey, man, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like how you used to feel. So I came back, I wore my brace. I was playing on scout team. And, you know, I was running, and it, but just the feeling after was like, man, it doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I went up to Coach Norm and I told him, Coach, man, I had to do surgery. And he's like, wow, you look good. You know, we're about to play USC. Like, you're looking good. Or put you on special teams, get you back in the rhythm. And I was like, no, coach, I'm being honest. He's like, you know, let's do an MRI and see where it's at. So I do another MRI and it's completely shattered. It's like gone. And I'm just like, I knew it. So I get the surgery again. You know, I'm coming in and of course, Norm and everybody up there is being real positive. But hey, man, you know, get your paperwork in line. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure. So then the whole mindset of the offseason training changed. It didn't go from like trying to squat like a, like a million pounds much as possible, you know. I don't remember Coach Beamer, but Coach Beamer was like, now nah, we're going to make you like a cheetah. Mm-hmm. You're going to hit just reps for reps, and you're just going to get strong and physical. And then, you know, after that, I mean, the sky's the limit after that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I played my uh, my redshirt sophomore at the end of my junior year. And then coming towards the ending of my ju- I mean, ending of my junior year, going into my senior year, I believe it was Norm's last year. There's just like this little irritating pain that was going on in my kneecap. So I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll play through it. And he's like, no, man, I need you 100%. Let's check it out. And then there was, like, this gap on my kneecap where they had to drill it and get, like, the bone fast mm-hmm. to kind of, like, heal itself. So they do the surgery and everything like that. And, you know, you know now I'm being in the coaching world, you understand the pressures of, like, you know, what they got to do. And, you know, AJ came down to the point where, like, you know, he just told me, man, I'm trying to look out for you. Think you should just medically retire. And I'm like, no, I'm not medically retired. I'm just going to finish out this year and I'm going to transfer. Transfer somewhere. Try to go and roll out Nevada, but it was in conference. So I just took the year off and just let my body heal. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I got that medical hardship to come back, when Rolo came back his first year, first thing I asked her, are you healthy? I'm like, man, I, I am beyond healthy. 
like, dude, I'm ready to go. Like, I've been training. I've been working a nine to five. I've been training, waiting for the opportunity, man, to come back. And UH says I'm ready to go. He's like, I told him straight up, man. I go, dude, I know you have the guys, but if I can be like a positive influence to the team and whatever you need me to do, the scout team, the special teams, whatever it may be, man, I'm down for the team. And then it played out, man. You know, we, we had a good, you know, we had a good run. Won the Sheraton Bowls first year and shocked a lot of teams. And then made made a good friendships of you know brotherhoods and everything like that. And from there, I just knew that my body was my body was healed. You know, I had everything. You know, I had nicks and bruises, and hamstrings, and whatever, but it wasn't as serious. Mm-hmm. And then it came to I was playing arena football, and my shoulder popped out. And I was like, oh no, here we go again. You know, top shoulder. Okay, pop it back here. We're playing. We're playing. And it was like a little minor injury at UH. It was funny because I came home to visit and I went to Uncle Eric and I was like, Uncle Eric, and I check on my shoulder. He was like, dude, you might want to get this looked at. I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. He's like, no, really? So I go and do an MRI and like my AC joint's like pretty much hanging on a thread. I'm like, oh my God. He's like, you need surgery. I'm like, honestly, man, I'm done playing after this. I'm pretty sure I'll be all right. Let it heal and we'll go. So, I mean, you know, the, the injuries. It, it was a downfall, but it, it really tested my character. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, they get a serious injury, it's over with, no, I'm, I'm done, I'm not going to play. Which is, which is fine for anybody listening because that's a decision for your body. Mm-hmm. But I had a lot left in the tank. Mm-hmm. I had a lot left to play. I had a lot left to prove to myself. I had a lot left to do. So I just had to keep pushing through it, man. No, that I mean, overcoming all of those injuries. And before we talk about that, so in high school, you were relatively injury-free pretty healthy oh uh, yeah i mean i had a i had a meniscus tear mm-hmm. in my in my left knee but it was that type of tear where like you just play through it mm-hmm. no you surgery know, you play through no surgery just you know let it heal rehab and then we're just, we're just good to go but i used to get taken out by my knees a lot so now that you mentioned it you know i, I think it kind of was that wear and tear mm-hmm. it was that wear and tear eventually of not taking care of it after the game because in my mind i'm thinking i'm young my knees hurt. I'll be fine by Monday. I'll be running full speed. And then now it just came to that point where it was, you know, in, I mean, I had a lot of, you know, injuries, of course, you gas, you're tired, your knees, mm-hmm. the whole nine. Yeah. And then, excuse me. And then, you know, after that, it was just, it just came full circle when I went to UH. You know, that wear and tear of like not taking care of my body when I was at a young age. Everybody said, man, you're young. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So all that stress on my knees, my shoulders, my head, you know, I think I only had one concussion in high school, fortunately, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, no, I was pretty, I was pretty injury free. That's good I mean, to hear. I, I, I take an injury from time to time if I was super tired, like, oh, my God, my back, I a breather. <laughs> but that's pretty much about it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, that's really good to hear. And I mean, yeah, unfortunately, you know, you had ACL reconstructions on both sides. But the one thing that I want to say about that is that it's possible to live without an ACL, depending on your activity. And I think it's, yeah. it says a lot how strong you have to be to actually rehab and recover or what you thought you were recovered from that second ACL. And you were playing full on, practicing full on, but you could tell 
yeah, some things are like my knee's not hundred percent. And then when they re MRI'd you and saw that, yeah, your ACL is gone. That's a tribute to how much work you put in rehab and in the weight room, because it's possible to actually protect your knee and be fully functional without an ACL. But again, you don't want to keep going, especially in football so much with your position and your sport. You don't, you definitely don't want to play without an ACL because then you'll just cause like you said, more wear and tear in the future. But overall, coming back from all these surgeries, injuries, let's talk about when you got to play arena football now. So after, you know, your UH career, actually, before we get to that, what are some of the most memorable moments at UH or the best times at UH that you had? Oh, man. That's that's a very, very hard question. (laughs) I think my my favorite moment... um, there's actually two that I can think of at the top of my head. Unfortunately, we lost a good brother. Uh, we called him Willie Will. You know, he was our running back. And um, he uh, he passed away the night before the game against Army. And I think we were like 0-10 like or 0-11. And just to see the brotherhood come together and, you know, play for, play for a reason and a cause. Like, you know, we can't let him go out like this. That was probably one of my most memorable moments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, emotional, memorable. All of that above was just tough. I think my second, it would probably be the first two, but it was just coming back to UH and, you know, just coming in and being welcomed with open arms again and, you know, getting back to what I love to do and playing football. And then winning the Sheraton Bowl, I mean, you know, having having the, having that whole turnaround with the program was like the most memorable moment. I mean, there's always the locker room moments. There's always the road moments. But that moment right there was like the turning point for UH football again. And, you know, you watch the games now and you watch the games prior in the past. And, you know, we all get together. We talk. It was like, you know, we wear that ring, that, that chair symbol ring, and we say, man, you know, that, that was because of us. We, 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 we brought it back, that brotherhood back together. So it, it was pretty cool. I think that was my probably top two famous moments. And let's, since you brought that up, let's talk about that year off because you were just recovering. You said you were working. You were working out still yet. And you were even coaching. You went back to coaching. Or you started coaching. Yeah. And what did, how did that help you, I guess, your senior year when you came back to UH? I just think the, the motivation, you know, as a coach, I'm the type of guy that's like, I'm, I can show you better than I can tell you. And, you know, at that time, it was like, you know, it was good for me to test out my knees again. You know, the boys are running around at Pro City and, you know, I got to show them how to run it and I could get that confidence back. I put my legs in the ground. I'm like, okay. The rehab, the lifting, it, it's, it's paying off. And, you know, it, it, it got me closer to the game of football mentally, like how to read coverages, how to get open, how to game plan, how to take it to the next level. And I think that's why I coach now. I just fell in love with that process day in and day out. So when I went back to UH, man, it was just like second nature to me. It was second nature, and it was just like I never left. I wasn't there physically, but I was there mentally, and it was just you know, icing on the cake. I took it like the mindset of, I, I preach to my kids, finish what you start. So I had to go back and finish what I started. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, with anything, I think when you got to teach something, you get a deeper understanding of how to do it yourself or you know how important it is what you're preaching, right? So now after yeah. UH, I mean, okay, let's talk about you, you were recovering from all these injuries. You got to play your last senior year. And then now, how did you transition into the next step? How did this opportunity present itself? And what was the AFL like? 
the, the AFL trials were, were, were good. Um, the hard part wasn't having enough film, obviously. And then the injuries, you know, they, they look at the injuries, right? So I was on Facebook every day promoting practice film and whatever game film I had and on these little forum pages. And then I signed with a team that was going to be in the IFL, which is right, which was right under the AFL. And then they ended up folding. Then I went to another team that was in this American Arena League. Went up to Boone, North Carolina, did a couple of days in camp. Some some situations happened back where I was staying out in Georgia at the time. And then I went back and played with a team in Georgia. So, you know, everybody is like, yeah, you know, arena football sounds fun. It's just, but that process, it's very tough because at one point you can be the guy, you can get traded, you can get released. <laughs> Sometimes you don't even get paid, but you're doing it to get to the next level. So, you know, just training and, you know, it came with the NFL Pro Day. You know, I thought I did everything that I could, you know, just try to spark the team. Didn't have an agent. Did it all on my own, you know, like the, like the promoting-wise. I was very fortunate that I had trainers at uh, Phase 1 Sports Hawaii that sponsored me to do their training. And then, you know, it came into the last couple of games of arena football, and I was just like, man, do, do I want to continue to do this? Do I want to keep playing in, you know, these, these leagues and keep playing and try to just perform or – do I want to try and take it to the next level, like you said? So after season, there was this combine coming up. It's like the National American Combine, where the, the AF, not the AFL, I think it was the American Alliance Football League was just starting up. There's the XFL that was coming up, the CFL, and a couple of NFL teams. And I did the combine. Man, I trained my ass off on my own, speed training, whatever I knew from what I knew. And then the injuries came into a point again. You know, it was like a Tuesday thing where if you look good the first day, they'll bring you back and meet with some teams, like how the NFL does it. So I get in the room, I'm sitting there, and after all my paperwork, new age, documentation, everything, and they're like, you know, you're 26, practice squad might be the best opportunity. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just here for an opportunity. So the doctors come in, they feel my knees, and they're like, thumbs up. Yes, thumbs up. And then they go to feel my shoulder, and I'm just like, Oh, man. Like, I had that feeling already. And the trainer and the doctor was like, you know, man, sorry, but I'm going to have to give a thumbs down. I was like, no, I understand, man. Like, I should have listened. I should have got it repaired. I should have got stronger. Thumbs down. So they gave a thumbs down, and they were very honest. They were like, man, take a 26-year-old guy to practice guy with a shoulder injury or taking a 22-year-old guy who's fresh. I said, hey, it's a business. I understand it's not personal. Mm-hmm. And then from that point, it was just like, man, I'm done playing. I'm done playing. I'm going to focus on coaching. And then I got the opportunity to coach in Georgia at a prep juco. So that's how the time, the, the times have turned. That was my, that was my mental state telling me, I think you, you've done enough. Well, you definitely finished everything that you set out to finish. And what year yeah. was this that you transitioned back into coaching juco? Um, it was 2017. Actually. Okay. Yeah. 2017. It, it, it's called Georgia Knights Prep Academy. Uh, prep school was like an extra high school but they played Division threes, they played Division twos, NAIAs, so just the kids to get film and fix their grades. Um, the first year, we didn't play a season. We were just building. The second year, we played a season, and we, we actually did really well. Started off as the receiver's coach, and then they bought me to the offensive coordinator and associated coaching position. So just, you know, again, the knowledge of the process of what it takes to be a coach kicked in again. Um, we ended up losing in the national title game for our prayer league by a field goal return in the last couple of seconds. Mm. 
And then from there, it was, uh, you know, I stayed another year and then I came home to visit my family. And, you know, it just, you know, it just felt like I had to stay home. You know, I was there until 18, 19, and then I came home. Uh, reconnected with my wife, we were born, and just killed seven months. And then I thought, you know, it's time for me to come home and coach. Like, like we talked about earlier, I saw that gap of what, this, what, these, what the youth is missing. And it's that process, that process gap of getting to your academics and everything to get to the next level. So, um, yeah, I started doing my own thing. I got, you know, Team IC 7 on 7. Yeah. Still coaching, still coaching kids. And then now I'm back at Pro City High School with the quarterbacks and the and co-OC. And putting my resume out there for coaches, you know, I'm out tight at UH, you know, trying to get in over there, trying to get back. And, you know, it's just a process, again, to everything. Yes. Well, yeah, you know, it, it, it was good learning experiences, especially in the mainland, because you're surrounded by so much talent that you really can do what your mind's telling you to do. And a lot of those guys were very D1 talented athletes because they didn't have the grades. Mm-hmm. Again, they didn't have the grades and they had to turn another year to fix it. So mm-hmm. it was pretty crazy. Yeah. And well, first off, congrats on your son, your newborn. So, you know, that Thank must you. be keeping yeah. you busy a lot. And then I'm glad that you're yeah. using all of your experiences through overcoming these injuries through what do you have to do to coach high school uh, football? And you're using this now to actually develop your coaching style and your coaching skills. So talk about yeah. that. When you came back home, let's talk more about that, that gap in that process, you know, like allowing or giving the resources so that these kids know that it's very possible. If you just do the things that will help you to give you the best shot at playing at the next level in football, let's yeah. talk about that and what you see Hawaii needs more of and what is kind of some of your approach when you start coaching some of these younger generation kids? It's more of, to me, it's just building confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, I I know when I was little, I know I had a lot of positive people around me to build confidence. Right. And then second is, you know, that process, but also it's the pressure, you know, um, with the Marcus Mariotas, the Tua Tongo by Laws, the Matt Tales, you know, the guys who made it. Those kids look up to those guys. And when they want to be like them, you know, it's just super positive. It's great. They lose their own identity, you know, in a sense. So, you know, I, I think the gap that's missing in that whole process was you're not, you're not going to be the superstar now. Everybody wants to now. You know, the parents want them to be the star now. Mm-hmm. The coaches expect them to be the star now. So all that pressure that goes on in young kids' brain, it's like they don't make any sport fun anymore. Mm-hmm. It's more of a business. And at a young age, you know, you have a kid that wants to be a linebacker, but he's playing receiver. But his heart's a linebacker, and he's not going to give you 100% in a different position where he wants to play. But if you're an athlete, you're going to play wherever they tell you to play. You know, and it just comes down to, I think, too, with the, with the era we live in, right? Everything's on social media. Kids doing footwear, kids, you know, nine-year-olds trying to bench 145. You know, it's just, it's the perception of you being a five-star athlete, which the perception, you know, it to me, the perception doesn't show you as a five-star athlete in a 30-second video. What are you doing with the rest of the time? Like, are you just trying to show you're a five-star athlete in that one little clip? Or are you trying to show you're a five-star athlete during the whole process? You know, and it's all about how you look, how you feel. You know, I mean, I've been to it. You know, you want to be, like, they say, trip or swag or, 
and even when they're lifting, they're lifting and all, you know, like, you know, you know, nice, nice things and stuff. It's just what I'm trying to teach these kids is don't care about what people think or say, because you're going to experience that the rest of your life. You have to worry about what you feel, what you want to do and how you're going to approach it. You know, the, the kid may be a quarterback at 10 years old. He may go to high school and be a free safety. You know what I mean? Unless you're going to groom your, groom your kid to be a quarterback his whole life, that's a process, right? But it, it, it just kind of changes the mentality of what goes on outside of the field. You know, I know people who, after practice, take their kids home, they train again. Because, not because they want their kid to train, because their son's like, hey, man, I want to get some footwork in. Cool. They have their mentality. They have that, they just have that dog mentality of I got to get better every day. But also learning how to take care of yourself. Like, you know, I tell my guys all the time, hey, man, drink a lot of water, stretch, take care of everybody, eat good, you know, and all you can do is tell them. You just got to hope and pray for the best that they listen, yeah. right? And then it comes down to, you know, they want to go to the NFL, you know, but do you know the process that starts now? Yeah. Like, when it starts now. If you want to yeah. go to the NFL at this moment, you're going to have to build all the way up through the schoolwork and everything. Like, you know, I harp that to my kids, academics and attitude. Be positive attitudes, take care of your grades, everything will fall in place. Yeah. You know? But we have some really gifted kids in Hawaii. Oh, definitely. I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's through the roof, no matter what sport we play. But Hawaii has put been, been putting themselves on the map for their for their athletes. Mm-hmm. I mean, soccer, tennis, ball, football, basketball, baseball, it doesn't matter. But it's that just that process of you're not gonna be the star every time. I like what you said there because yeah, people don't understand the process it takes, all the sacrifice, all of the hard work, all of these other things that you don't see. Like no one sees this. No one saw what you were doing in the off seasons, right? But yeah. that's the part that you can't get that outcome without going through all of the things before that. And I think that's a yeah. great message because the other thing that you said is that, you know, when we're growing up and kids are playing, I mean, it should be that fun. Teach them all the other yeah. life lessons through sports. Teach them, you know, how to enjoy themselves and figure out how to learn about the sport, learn how to move, learn how to get stronger, all of these things naturally, right? I truly don't believe that it's right to treat youth sports like professional sports. And I mean, you see it. I saw it too that, you know, professional sports, yeah, it's a business like, it's their job. They're getting paid to do this. There's a lot yeah. of investment. And that is not the same with youth sports or even like college sports, right? They're starting to talk about, you know, getting athletes paid or endorsements or all these other things. But really, that changes the whole dynamic and culture and everything about the game. And like you said, it could be more pressure, could, you know, either motivate someone or demotivate them. So all of these yeah. things, I think it's good for people to give back to the Hawaii community and just make it known that you have to do what's best for you. There's a lot of ways that you can grow and improve, but it doesn't have to yeah. be in such a negative light all the time where like you're pressuring the nine-year-old kid, like, Hey, you got to get a D1 scholarship. But like you said, it doesn't have to be right now. They, they're going to have their process and their journey yeah. to get there. And it's going to be over years, right? Yeah. Anything else you want to share about that? Yeah. I just think being around like more of the youth sports, it's really watered, watered down from what, we're used to, mm. you know, I didn't have coaches telling me like, hey, man, you know, you're, you're a superstar. Yeah. You're the guy. You just got to keep working, man. Like, you know, you're going to, you're going to get this. You're going to get that. I had, I mean, you, you're good, but you got to keep working. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like nowadays, when you you know you get on the kids and like not such an aggressive way, but in such a frustrated way because you know they're better, they just, they, they they break down because they're not used to that. They're you know they're they're told that hey, you know I, I was this guy with my last team. It's like okay, mm-hmm. well you play for me now. It's kind of just bringing them back to ground zero of the hard work process. There's always somebody that's going to be better. Yep. There's always going to be somebody that wants to be better than you. And you have to be better than somebody. So it's up to you where you're going to take this path in life. If you're just going to say, uh, you know, well, I was this, 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 and this, 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 this. I don't get the ball or I don't get to play. So I'm going to go somewhere else and expect the same result. It's not all, but it's some. They just like it's like they're living through their through their their, their son or their daughter and putting more pressure on them to be better than them. It's like you know people laugh. They're like, "Man, you're gonna coach your son?" It's like, "Of course I'm gonna coach him," but it's gonna be different. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna set these expectations so high that he feels like he has to be better than I was and 10 times more, you know, like I told my wife, I think like two weeks ago, like all the, I, mean, I have accolades on, in my house. So I want to take them all down. And they're like, why? No, show him what you've accomplished. Like, oh, yeah, they do time, but I don't want him to walk in the house and be like reminded every day after practice. Like, man, I got, I got to get those. I got to get the medals. I got to get the rings. I got to get the trophies. I got to get the, <laughs> the awards. It, it, it it's, it's gotta be his own process. Yeah. Like like my like my dad stopped coaching. He didn't stop coaching, but he like stopped coaching coaching me at eighth grade. So when I went to high school. It was weird for me because I would like literally move my coach and be like, "Hey, what am I doing wrong?" Like you mm-hmm. know, looking up in the stands, and he's like, "No, talk to your coach." Mm-hmm. You have to break that barrier, and you know, it's just one of those things where it's you know something I'm probably going to do to be honest. But I surround myself with coaches with the same mentality, and I, I trust it. It's just surrounding yourself with the with, with people who. Have the same goal, but go a different journey. I think we're trying to make it like a robotic kind of thing. Or, oh, yeah, if, he, if he's lifting, you're lifting. Okay, if, if he's doing ladders, you're doing two ladders. Like, okay. Like, we're teaching them rivalry more than competition. That's a good way to put very, it. Yeah, they're, they're teaching them how to make rivals more than being competitive. And that's what we, that's what we don't really like to teach a team much. It's like, you're on the same team. Be competitive. But don't be rivals. Because you have to play with each other. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Eventually, like, you know, there may be one team that's a different team that you don't like. Okay, I understand. But don't be surprised if you two guys meet up in high school and play with each other. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to play with each other. Yep. So you don't want to burn bridges. You don't want to have that cool honor with people. You just want to make sure, okay, everything's solid. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's a great message. Well, and I can tell that you pass yeah. on very good life lessons to all of these kids. Let's talk a That's little bit I'm about at. about your so the league and this organization that you formed to coach even more young athletes. So talk about that yeah. a little bit. Your IC organization, well, Seven and Seven, and what have um, you learned through that? Uh, it, it's 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 a learning experience, man. It, it it it's a process. Um, my other my other partner, Tad Stevens, said, you know, we played with each other against in high school at age, played with each other in a bunch of bowl games. We ended up doing a camp in Hawaii, and it, it originated the name. It was like a – they call it a renegade team. So you don't get to see the kids that's playing on your team until the next day. You don't know which kids you get. You have to come up with an offense. He has to scheme his defense based on what he has. And we were called ICE. So one day we went to Chili's, and then we were just hanging out. You know, we just had this idea that, hey, we should start a youth team and do it like the process of how we were growing up. So we did it, you know, and – 
we we cheer we we cheers to it. We're doing everything, and then we start getting with all these other coaches that we have connections with, like Mark Veneri, you know, Ren Acosta, and all these guys. Um, Chris Barra, you know, Coach Edgar, you know, Mendoza, Coach Jody Misiano, Coach Watson and George Cavallo, Bryson Lukalka, you know, yesterday, all, all of our good friends, and we just kind of came together and just started this foundation. I mean, the process that I went through this year was I, I learned a lot about myself where it was, you know, you can't make everybody happy. And you just have to stick to the plan. The plan's about the kids. It's all about the kids. It'll always be about the kids. And we we care more about them as human beings than football players. Yes, we're going to go out there and compete. We're going to go out there and win. And we're going to do what we can as coaches. But just to make sure that these kids know that they have some way to turn to. You know, we started off with like seven teams. One, two high schools of 14 or 12 and a 10 and under with a flag. And, you know, unfortunately, because of the high school season, kids went to go play a different place. And But I think the, the beauty of it is that they always, you know, they always reach out to us. Hey, what's up, coach? Like, you know, can we come in and get some work, coach? Can we do this? Like, yeah, come on back, man. Like, you know, it's all good, man. Like, you, know, you build the relationships now. And, you know, you, you want to be that coach that keeps in touch. Hey, how's everything at home? How's your schoolwork? How's your grades? You know, you, you get injured. I, I can walk you through the process. You know, trying to pick your spirits up, and you know, it's been fun, man. We leave, we leave next week. I mean, no, not next week, man. We leave this week for Vegas on Wednesday. We're gonna compete in the pylon seven on seven. Uh, it's called the Mecca. You know, that's where all the best teams come and they play. And we're gonna go out there and represent Hawaii with other Hawaii teams and just have fun. See, we're just trying to instill the fact that football is fun. Football or any sport you play is still fun. No, but it's up to you. I always tell the players. I always tell the players. It's up to you to make it fun. You know, it's up to you. You know, just don't worry about the pressure. We're going to go out there and do our best. And we win, we win, we lose, we lose. I mean, I, I, my famous line is we win and we learn. We don't lose, we learn. But as coaches, we, we, we have to learn, too, how to adapt and adjust and, you know, grow in this, you know, in this type of, you know, industry that we like to call ourselves. And, you know, a lot of people don't really see the, the day-ins and day-outs of these football for all coaches. I mean, we're there every day, setting up the fields, running practice, coming home late. You know, we don't get paid for this. We do it because we love it, you know. We do it because we love what we do. And, you know, I've been in a position where I was getting paid in the college level to now, and people are like, man, you're nuts. Why don't you go back? It's like, I just feel like my, my mission's here. My mission in Hawaii is, is to come back and develop young men to get to where they want to get to. So, yeah, I know it's, it's been a process. It's been stressful. <laughs> trust me. Yeah. Yeah. It's been super stressful. Oh man. I can't even tell you half of it. <laughs> but, I mean, definitely we need more people like that to spread this positive message and, you know, just teach them life lessons through sports. That's really what it is. Sports is just a vehicle, yeah. but you learn so much from this. If anyone's interested in finding more information or, you know, reaching out to you, how do they get more information about this organization? Um, they, they can follow him on Instagram. It's the coach and the underscore Samson Angwa. We have our Instagram page too. It's Team IC 808, Team IC Football 808. And then uh, we go from there, you know. And then if you want to reach out to me, man, I'm on all social media platforms. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, you know. Come see what we're doing. We're just trying to change the culture of youth football and trying to just groom young men and be not just better football players, obviously, but to be better men in the community. You know, to re to represent Hawaii in a positive way, no matter where they're from. You can be from Waimanalo, you can be from Kaneo, you can be from Maui. I mean, if you're interested, our lines are always open. 
Yeah, definitely. I'll put all of that in the show notes. So check it out. And, you know, if anyone's looking for some help and coaching, I mean, definitely you're going to get some high level coaching, but also coaching just how to enjoy the game and be just be a good person. Like what you said. Now, what is next for you? So you kind of mentioned that you want to do more coaching, but what do you foresee yourself doing uh, if everything goes according to what you wish? And what does coaching, what is coaching going to lead into? It's just, it's just like the dream. You know, when, when I was a young kid, I wanted to go D1. And, you know, with the positive, you know, reinforcement of my wife and my family and, you know, her family, um, you know, they, they understand it's a grind, but that's the goal. Those will go to D1. And eventually, oh, hopefully, I can make it to the NFL. I mean, you know, it's just about building the resume. It's about, you know, doing, you know, earning your stripes and going from there. Um, I mean, I, after this, I can't really tell you. I mean, um, probably, you know, I go, I'm trying to go day by day, but everything's happened sporadically, but you know, um, what, whatever opportunity comes, you know, um, I'm, I'm not going to change God's timing for, for my timing. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I, I was living through that process also again with that, you know, I've applied like, why, why not me? You know, I'm a perfect candidate, but you know, you just gotta let everything play out. You know, um, I'm going to continue to give back to the community. Um, I have my own, you know, receiver clinics and camps to a lower performance academy. We're going to be starting off-season training in the summer again. You know, a couple of my old college guys that are, you know, playing D2 and D1 now that are coached at the GICO level, they're probably going to come down for a couple of weeks to train, get some work in, yeah, and I'm going to, you know, just see where, you know, see where life takes me. You know, let's take it one step at a time, and our goal right now is to go up to Las Vegas and represent and then come home, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> yes. Yes, and good luck with all of the tournament, and I know you guys will do really well and represent Hawaii well. If they want to get more information about your clinics, where do they go for that yeah. too? Same thing. Um, they, yeah, they can go on Instagram. It's uh, Aloha, Aloha underscore um, Performance Academy. It's APA. So um, we're a nonprofit. What we do is that, you know, even being a nonprofit, even though I do charge by the hour, a lot, of the, a lot of the money that I make, it goes back to equipment. It goes back to footballs. It goes back to more phones. It goes back to things that the receivers need. Mm-hmm. It goes back to, you know, building, you know, building things to help them perfect their craft. And, you know, it's just something for me to give back. You know, all the knowledge that I've learned since I was eight until now, which I'm still learning, it just goes back to it, you know. Um, they can go on Instagram and find me. They can uh, direct message me. Um, my work number's on there, actually. So they can hit me up and let me know if they want to get better and just come and go to work. Yeah. <laughs> no, that sounds great. And there's so many things we could with all of the guests, we could keep going on and on and on and create a series of episodes. I know there's a lot of things that we still wanted to touch, but I know you're busy. You got to prep for your trip, but let's just leave it on any last words or last message that you want to say to your athletes or even athletes that are going to listen to this episode. Athletes. um, All I can say is don't lose, don't lose love for what you do. Uh, Don't let anybody tell you, you can't, you can't do, you can't do it anymore. You can't, you know, you can't, be who you want to be, you know, and don't let the outside noise take over the hard work and the dedication you've already put in this. Don't let pressure be the reason why you're not performing. Take care of your bodies, eat right, you know, drink what's needed, protein, water, you know, the simple things that you're always asked to do on a daily basis. But I, I think the, the main thing is that if, it, if it means a lot to you, you're going to make the sacrifices, you know, if it means a lot, you're going to do what you got to do to get to the next level. Yeah. I mean, that definitely, that's a great message. And there were so many great things that we talked about. And it's good to hear that you're doing well. You're giving back to the community. I mean, that's, 
that's the big thing. Like if we can use all of our lessons that we've learned and just share one thing that helps someone else in a positive way, that's where we want to yeah, be. And that's why I enjoy talking to you. And anyway, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was great catching oh, up man, and everything. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having yeah. me, man. This is fun. I love doing it. And we'll definitely, we'll have to do a follow-up one, one day soon or one day in the future. But thanks again so much for joining us. Yeah, man. I appreciate it, brother.